Well, welcome to part two of our series, Family Values. If you weren't here last week, um, I'd really like for you to listen to the podcast or take a look at the video on YouTube uh, to catch what I think is God's heart for us loving those that we do life with. So even if you are not living with your family or you have limited or no contact with your family, there are people in your life that make up your family. So maybe it's a housemate, maybe it's people that you work closely with, maybe, maybe it's friends within the church. Um, there's so many different ways for us to apply these, and so I'm going to ask you again, like I said last week, to give us grace and to keep trying to catch the principle and to apply it how, however is necessary. I've given quite a bit of thought to uh, what I think might make life a little bit more comfortable for us. The older we get, the fatter we get, the more, you know, we tend to get hotter in summer and we want, you know, air conditioning in uh, the bedroom just to make life a little bit more comfortable. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of those like memory foam beds. I forget what the actual make is called, but I mean, I've got the pillow and it's amazing. Um, I'd have to sell a kidney to buy the bed, but, but, but it's, it's partly designed by, I think, uh, NASA, etc., where, where it helps you basically feel like, like you're floating in a zero gravity environment. Um, the thing about both of those, climate control and the most comfortable bed, is that it's really, really good for falling asleep. So it's really good for being comfortable and for getting rest, which is important. I'm a big believer in us having appropriate rest. What it's not good for is resistance and growth and stretching and having to develop in different areas of our lives. I've also been quite uh, fascinated with stories I've been reading about astronauts and how the, the kind of the effects that zero gravity has on their bodies. In fact, as early as the Apollo missions in the 60s and 70s, they found that even eight days in space, in a zero gravity environment, meant that when they landed, the, the astronauts had to be pulled from their, their capsules. Living in a zero gravity environment is very, very comfortable, but then it starts to cause atrophy. Atrophy is where, is where in, in their cases, their muscles, their bones, I mean, in some cases, even like, like, like it'll affect their spine, um, their ability for their, their heart to pump uh, blood. To, to live in a zero gravity environment is amazing for a while. But without any kind of resistance, please hear what I'm saying. Without any kind of resistance, you start to weaken and die. So apparently, I, I, I'm not an expert on this, but apparently the biggest obstacle to traveling to Mars is not the technology, it's, it's how to prevent the effect on the astronauts' bodies. So astronauts actually have what they call a gravity suits, um, which, which has uh, elastics and, and various things inside their suit that actually causes resistance. So that when they're living in a zero gravity environment for an extended period of time, resistance is being provided for them so that they can stay healthy. I wanna talk about resistance today. I wanna to talk about not if you fight, more like when you fight, and I wanna take a look specifically at how to fight fair. I wanna encourage you not to be overly pessimistic and overly discouraged when you face conflict, when you face disagreement. In fact, and I, and I wanna be careful how I say this, but I actually get nervous when people, when couples never ever have disagreements, 
I'm not saying you have to have knockdown in a drag out fight. I'm talking about like, there's never a disagreement because then one of you aren't necessary. Or if, or if your kids, especially teenagers, never disagrees with you, honestly, in my opinion, something's wrong. Because, because they, God has planned for them to actually become individuals, to become people, which, which means that we're going to have differences of opinion and different wills. And it's not about who's right and wrong. I'm saying that, that, that it's actually in the differences that we work stuff out, that we figure stuff out, that we actually develop together. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about prolonged, consistent, relentless, chronic abuse and dysfunction, so please, d don't misunderstand me. But I am saying that in any normal, healthy relationship, there is gonna be disagreement, and so the, the challenge for us is to fight fair. To fight fair. <clears throat> the, I, had, I didn't get to anywhere near enough of what I wanted to last week, and I'm probably not going to this week either, so let me tell you right up front what I wanna get to, okay? Three, three basic ideas. I'm gonna spend the least on the last, but, but it's three key ideas. Number one is to start with me, to fight for we, and forgiveness is free. I know, right? I like it. <laughs> me, we, free. Okay, so start with me. Guys, I need help remembering stuff, okay? I don't, if I don't remember my sermon, I don't expect you to, so this helps me, it helps me. So start with me, fight for we, Forgiveness is free. Start with me. I, I cannot, like in terms of burden, if you hear nothing else I'm saying today, please get this. It starts with us. Our, our human nature wants to start with you because right now you, in, in my opinion, subconsciously, like you're making me mad, which by the way, is impossible. Think about that for a second. How do I make you mad? So I might, I might provoke, antagonize, but, but, but if we really wanna break it down, we have a choice in terms of how we, how we react. So I, I don't wanna be overly idealistic. Yes, it can be irritating, frustrating, but if I throw a bucket of water on you, do I make you mad or do I make you wet? I wanna encourage you to, to try and move, to move away from language. Like, you made me mad. Certainly things like, you make me sick. I feel like that's a curse that you're putting onto somebody. In fact, any time you start a sentence when you're angry with you, there's a good chance you're about to curse that person. Because generally speaking, we're not going to be focusing on the issue, we're gonna be focusing on the person, and because we are upset, we get personal, and we attack the person instead of addressing the issue. And, and when you say anything, like, you, like you're so frustrating, you drive me crazy, you, you always treat me, guys, we are actually cursing, I think, in a sense. We are, we are speaking negative, lifeless words over a person. So, 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 I'm getting distracted. We need to start with us. I need to start with me. What is actually going on inside of me? Why am I upset? Why am I frustrated? Why do I feel embarrassed? Do I, guys, sometimes we even just need to take time to figure out what is it that I even feel? Men, anger is a feeling. You might say, I don't feel anything. Anger is a feeling, okay? Irritation, frustration is a feeling. We all have feelings. And when we live at an unhealthy, always skimming pace, we're gonna live superficially and we don't slow down enough to actually take stock of, okay, why is this bothering me? Why does this affect me? And then we lack integrity. We address an issue 
without actually doing the work first. And so without us even meaning to, I think a lot of the time we actually choose the laziest option, which is the quickest option, which is a reactive option, because it actually takes effort to actually slow down, to go <laughs> sit somewhere or go for a walk or, or go to the bathroom, you know, I need some time, to, to just go and think and process. It takes effort for, for me to actually think, why do I care about this? Why does this irritate me? Why did that joke get under my skin? Is it, in other words, what we also need to figure out is, is this a me issue or is this a we issue? Because if we're honest, a lot of the time the stuff that we react to is actually stuff that we can just deal with. If, if, if something is pressing on my insecurity, on, my, on, on an identity issue that I have, and I'm going to fight you on it because you're not being God for me, how do you win? How do you win a fight when I'm mad at you because you're not being God? Because you're not fulfilling me. You're not healing my brokenness. You're not making me feel like a champion. You're not making me feel wanted enough. Guys, so many relationships would have so much less unhealthy fighting in it if, if I would just spend enough time focusing on what's the issue beneath the issue for me. And in that way, when I do address it, if I need to address it, then I can address the issue instead of attacking the person. Now, I'm very mindful of the fact that I'm talking idealistically. So I, I get that. And when you're in it, and you're in a rush, and you're tired, and, and, and it's seldom, let's be honest, when there's a big fight, there's seldom one thing going on. There's normally like 17 different things that are happening at the same time, yeah. right? Which is, again, why we have to look at the way we live. Because so often we want the peace of Jesus without living the type of life that'll lead to experiencing the peace of Jesus. And then we wonder why we're always, guys, you can have gotten up really early, prayed on the roof in tongues naked, but if you're tired and, and, you're, and you're overriding all kinds of limits, someone in the house just has to do one thing. To, it's like you just unleash that pressure cooker valve, right? It's like, and it's like it just explodes. We have to look at the way we live. Matthew 7, verse 3. I want to remind you that this is Jesus speaking. This is taken from, from the portion in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, which is known as the Sermon on the Mount, which is, which is arguably the most consolidated portion of teaching, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? Because let's be honest, we're so, it's tempting for me to want to help you get over your junk before me dealing with my own. Jesus isn't always polite like we'd like him to be. He says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. And some of you know that this is true. Some of you know that, that when you slow down enough, not to beat yourself up and to give the enemy room to shame and condemn you. Guys, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it. Okay, God, help me to be secure. Help me, help me not to own stuff I don't, that I'm not supposed to own. Help me not to take more responsibility than I'm supposed to take. But God, help me to see what I do need to see in terms of my part and help me to see more clearly, more objectively what I need to about why this is bothering me. Start with me. This passage does not forbid loving correction, but premature or improper correction. It's not saying don't address or correct. It's saying start with me. Let me first figure this stuff out. I want to also encourage you because I'm so mindful 
that there are some of you that are living in relationships where you don't feel like there's anything more that you can do. And, and again, if you're slowing down regularly enough to be with God, he may give you a piece to say, you've done what you can. Romans 12 verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We, we can go to two extremes. The one is we just, keep, we just take responsibility for everything and we're, and we're just relentless in trying to solve something that the other person doesn't want solved or we can go to the other extreme where we don't take any responsibility and everything's about the other person and we just keep blaming them and we remain a victim. There's a, <clears throat> there's a balance somewhere. As far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. There are people that are still struggling over conflict with a dead parent and there's nothing more that they can do and you have to allow God to actually bring you peace. If you, if you feel like you contributed to that and, you, and you, you caused a lot of hurt and damage that you cannot undo, or maybe you're a parent of adult children and it's the other way around where you feel like, where you know that you messed up terribly and, and your kids want nothing to do with you, but you're trying, I'm saying there has to be a point where you're saying, God, help me, help me to see what else I can do. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God may give you peace and say, hey, you've done, it's okay, you've done what you can. But that's after you're doing the homework. You, you're, you're not being lazy, you're being intentional. James 1.19 says, <clears throat> understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. He's putting the responsibility again on the person, on, on the one that is, that is, that's got the issue, the one that's getting upset. Slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick to listen. We have two ears, one mouth. Apparently we're supposed to use it in that proportion, okay? My family will tell you that that's not often the case, that it's often the other way around, but, but that's my goal. I'm actually not even joking. I really would like to get better at speaking less. Not on a Sunday. I mean, even on a Sunday, but, 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 but I would like to simplify my speech sometimes. Sometimes I allow my mouth to run off way ahead of my brain, and that can cause trouble, as you can imagine. I want to remind you that you cannot change other people, but you can change yourself. And if I'm going to be a victim and I'm, on, and I'm going to only keep focusing on the other person, or, or, or worse, worse than that, is where I try and control and manipulate that person because they're not changing the way I think they should. And, and you might even be right in some cases. Maybe they should change, but you're not responsible for that person's heart. God doesn't even do that. God won't manipulate and bully someone into changing. God invites. That should encourage you, by the way. So even with you, God's, God's never going to... God's never going to bully you. He's going to invite you towards maturity, towards human flourishing. You cannot change other people. And so, in my esteemed opinion, because I believe I'm right, your time with God should affect your time with other people. The way you spend time with God should affect the way you handle conflict. If the way I'm spending time with God isn't changing the way I spend time with people, I need to change the way I spend time with God. Start with me. Ruth Haley Barton, at the end of her book, Invitation to Silence and Solitude, which is a great book, 
It's a very different type of book. You want to read it devotionally, not, not like a typical book. It says the following, which I find really powerful. It's in her last chapter where she's talking about for the sake of others. So even Silence of Solitude, she's saying like, hey, whoa, 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 this isn't just like some self-centered, introverted, like, like ignore everybody else type of life. No, this is to actually help us be better, be healthier, be more life-giving. She says, for all of our piety and activity, we Christians are not always known for our kindness. That should bother you. I do think people should know us more for our kindness and love and compassion and mercy way before what we're against. Sometimes we are downright mean and judgmental. But most, if not all of our meanness, comes out of the places within us that have been unattended and untouched by God's love. Every broken place that has not been healed and transformed in God's presence is a hard edge of our personality that slices and dices other people when they bump up against it. Should we just stop there? Listen, no, no kidding. When I was preparing for this message, I'm like, this should be a whole series. Like, like there's just, there's so much stuff here, guys, for us to, for us to actually address conflict in a healthy, godly way. But it starts with me. God, please, search me, know me, lead me, show me, guide me. God, help me to be the best version of who you've created me to be at this stage of my life. And again, I always want to encourage, especially younger people, that the best version of you at 22 is not the same as the best version of you at 32, 42, 52. So stop getting discouraged that you're not the best 52-year-old version of yourself. If you're 22, ask God to help you be the best, the best version of your 22-year-old self. Otherwise, life would be boring because then you've got nothing else to do. You might as well die like if you've, if you've arrived. Like, that's okay. It's a journey. It's a very Western human thing where we want the, the destination. God's like, destination's heaven, everybody. If you want to reach your destination, you're dead. Okay? In the meantime, it's a journey of developing and growing and being the healthiest version of yourself. Start with me. Start with me. The greatest relationships involve two servants, the most destructive relationships involve two masters. So you've got to ask yourself, that relationship that you're struggling with is because you're trying to outmaster one another, outcontrol one another, outchange, or, or is there a willingness to serve, to look at yourself, to do the best that we can do? All right, start with me. The second big idea, and I want to rush through this, so this is going to be a little bit of a fire hydrant thing, is that we need to fight for we. Fight for we. Sometimes being right isn't enough. I can win the fight and lose the relationship. Can I please remind you who the real enemy is? There's an enemy behind your enemy in that moment. And so you've got to ask yourself, the way I am fighting, the way I'm addressing this, am I, am I pleasing God and the angels right now or am I pleasing the other side? Like, who's cheering louder right now? I, I tend to think that there are spiritual beings watching us. So when we talk about bringing glory to God, that's not only when I'm in front of you and bring glory to God in front of you. I think when I'm completely alone, I can be bringing glory to God. Or I can be bringing the opposite. So who's cheering? Next time you're in a fight, and, and I don't know, those of you that remember what it was like in school, I don't know, if, I, I hope they don't do this anymore. I'm sure they don't. But like, you know, they're all like, fight, 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 fight. You know, ah, don't know him. Anyway, you know, um, sorry. I beat him up. Um, guys, 
You may not have that happening in, in reality, but in the spiritual realm, there, there, there are two sides that are watching. Next time you're having a fight, think I'm in a stadium right now. I'm in a stadium of spiritual beings, angels, demons. Who's cheering? Fight for we. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 says that love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That, re that reflects a heart. Again, I'm not saying that there aren't times where you need to protect. If, you, if you're living in a, in a chronic abusive situation, there are boundaries. In fact, I would strongly, if, if, you, if you could be living in a, in a dysfunctional, chronic abusive situation, I would desperately recommend that you buy the book by Henry Cloud called Changes That Heal. Changes That Heal. Some of you are familiar with, with his more famous book or set of books around boundaries, but he actually first wrote about it in a section in Changes That Heal, but Changes That Heal um, includes m even more. So, so it'll help you to know, okay, when do I need to draw a line and say, whoa, whoa, I'm willing to work for this relationship, but I can't be the only one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor your choices. So, so there are times, this is why we need a whole series on this. But as, as far as there's any willingness from the other side, let's do all that we can to live at peace. Ephesians 4, verse one, two, three, again, speaks about a, a way. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, this is Paul writing, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. So when you're gonna you know, fight for we, be humble, be gentle. There's so much just even in those two words. Then he says, then he touches on what we spoke about last week. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Guys, we really don't have to fight over everything. Parents, you don't have to fight every fight. Like there are some important ones, but if your kids are going through a season where, where like they're just pushing every single boundary all day, every day, like you probably need to pick your fights. If, if, you're, if you're in a relationship and your spouse is struggling you know, with a whole bunch, like you might just need to be more gracious during that season. Or if it's knucklehead stuff, just guys, pick your battles. Pick your battles. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Romans 12 verse 16 says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. So again, that speaks of humility. And by the way, this speaks of real unity. So living in harmony isn't about false peace. Yeah. Guys, I hate false peace. I think false peace is more destructive sometimes than just flat out war. Like rather just fight it out. But this whole passive aggressive, like, like sweeping stuff under the rug, ignoring it, not talking about it, hoping it goes away. Guys, that's not God's way. Love, love the person enough, love the relationship enough to actually address it, but try and do it in a constructive way. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. So even if that person that you're in, maybe that person at work, that, that, that fellow learner at school is evil, it happens. Guys, don't fight back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And I just wanna tell you that later is longer. People look back and they can see. Maybe you've gone through a divorce and, and your spouse, your ex-spouse is just, is just belittling you to your kids. Guys, later is longer. Don't fight evil with evil. I, I am convinced that if, that if you keep doing everything you can to remain honorable and, and you speak with, with honor towards the other side, I think somewhere along the line, they're gonna look back, your kids, and they're gonna be like, hey, dad was pretty honorable. 
You know, I'd never heard dad like take cheap shots at mom. Or I never heard mom take cheap shots at dad. Just as a side note, I, I think it's fair to say, Sue can correct me when I'm not here, if I'm incorrect, but, 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 but because of her mom's unhealthy relationships with men, I think Sue was for the most part brought up being taught that men are dogs. Like Sue didn't want to get married because all men were bad. And that's understandable because that's, that's someone that, that, has, that has passed something on to her daughter because of her experiences with men. Let's do everything that we can to live at peace with everyone. Verse 16, 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. It is so counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive to be, to be the recipient of evilness and to, and to try and do good back. But guys, why should it be the same as the world? Like, why do we think that, that just because that person has lied about us that it's okay for us to berate them? Why do we, guys, Jesus will mess with your head if you let him. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil, not by being sharper, smarter, more snarky, quicker with your retort, no, no, by doing good. Fight for the relationship, fight for the person, fight for their future, and leave the results to God. Leave the results to God. Craig Rochelle says healthy couples fight for resolution, unhealthy couples fight for personal victory. So let's fight for resolution in whatever relationship you're in. All right, can I download 15 quick practical tips? Okay, like just don't worry. At the end, Ryan, do we have a slide at the end with everything on it? Okay, at the end you'll have all these things up, so don't worry about like scribbling quickly. And, and don't forget we have the notes on you version as well. All right, a couple of tips on fighting fair. Number one, agree on what's off limits. Agree on what is off limits. Like don't threaten divorce. Don't threaten rejection. When, when you're, when, if you have a, a, a teenage child or a young adult child that is disappointing you consistently, don't, don't, don't ever, like guys, we have to agree on what is off limits. Rejection should never, ever, 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 ever be on the table. Amen. Ever. My mom's father disowned her till the day he died because he didn't agree with who she wanted to marry, which was my father. So, so as a kid and as a preteen, I never got to meet him until, literally until the day he died because, because in his opinion, this wasn't the right choice. Like, why? Like, like what's that worth? Come on, stuff like that should be, you, so you might have even had thoughts. If he ever, if she ever, Guys, come on, there should be stuff that's just off the table. I'm not saying don't have boundaries, have boundaries, but there's thing, there are things that should be off the table. Those of you that follow Grand Prix, I've only gotten into it very recently because of the Netflix series, which I love. Who knew? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, endorsing the language, but it's like, it's lacquer, okay? Anyway, so I'm, 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 I'm hoping to watch this afternoon. So some of you know about the crash that Roman Grosjean had in Bahrain towards the end of last year, where at nearly 200 kilometers an hour, he flew into the barrier of the circuit. 67 Gs. So in, in other words, 67 times his weight. That, that's the amount of pressure that was placed onto his body. The, the car erupted. In fact, we should have a picture where you can, you can see one of the pictures there on the bottom in the middle, where, where half the car 
was like broke off immediately. He survived quite miraculously, right? His hands were, were a little bit burned. But when I heard this term, the survival cell, that's what you see them picking up, that, that's what's kind of burnt out on the top left and what they're picking up on the top right. And, and there's a halo. Some of you know about this halo that, that's coming over the last few years since the last crash that, that claimed life. If that halo wasn't there, when he went between the barrier, he would have been killed. So, so there's the survival cell that, that is there to protect him under the worst of circumstances. I'm saying to you that there should be some stuff that, that when the heat is turned up, when the fire is raging, when the pressure is coming, where before that you've decided that's off the table. It's not an option. We're fighting for our future. We're never gonna, we're never gonna threaten divorce and manipulate. We, 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 we're keeping sarcasm off the table. We're never gonna scream at each other. We're never gonna call each other names. We're not gonna, we're not gonna get ugly in front, of the, in front of the kids. Guys, there have to be things that are just off limits. Number two, I'm clearly not going as quickly as I should. Number two, pick your battles, okay? Pick your battles, don't go to war over every issue. Like, you'll be pretty miserable to live with and irritable to live with, by the way, if you're just gonna fight over everything. And if everything has the same the same response to it, if, if, if someone, you know, not putting the top on the toothpaste tube generates the same response as when, you know, they break curfew by 14 hours or they, or they stole the car, guys, you've got a problem. So pick your battles, okay? Number three, talk to the person, not about the person, for crying out loud. Don't gossip. Proverbs 26, 20 says, fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. You can speak up, and, and to people that are healthy, that, that, that love you enough to be honest with you, if you're looking for perspective, not validation, not for someone to add fuel, they did what? They are, you know, no, 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 no. Those are not the friends that you need to be speaking to, all right? And ideally, speak to the person. Guys, we've got to be very careful. And, and I even talk about this in a church context where leaders can talk about people, make very sure that you're not just talking about someone, even, even for, for prayer or for perspective, but you're never willing to actually talk to the person. The enemy, I believe, can get a wedge in there. Number four, choose your timing carefully. I wish I could unpack that, but that makes sense, right? Like, like just choose your timing. Don't, 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 don't drop a bomb when they're running out the door or when you know that they're exhausted. Like, don't, don't start that conversation when someone's about to fall asleep, okay? Or when you don't have time to, to work through that. Number five, address the problem. Don't attack the person. What's the actual issue? Let's talk about the issue. I'm not going to attack you and call you names. Number six, be gentle. Just, just this alone will help bring the temperature of most conflicts down radically. And if you can't be gentle, you might need to go for a run, go for a swim, go for a cold shower. I don't know. But, but do what you've got to do to calm down that you can address it constructively and gently. Proverbs 15.5 says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And I'm just telling you, I'm living proof that harsh words can make tempers flare. Okay? And on the odd occasion I get this right, gentle answers can help bring things down a little bit. So don't get Aggressive, don't be sarcastic, never call names. Try not to raise your voice. If you feel like, whoa, 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 this is getting to a place we don't want it to go to, it's okay to take a break, like just time out, like have a, I don't know. And by the way, even with your kids, I, I, 
don't want to be misunderstood with this, but I think even with your children, depending on the age, guys, like, let's, let's, let's not antagonize them. Let's not freak them out. If you can see that they're not getting to a place where they're, where they're able to take in anymore and they just need, like, some time to just process, we're not talking about sweeping stuff under the rug. I'm saying maybe somebody just needs time. There have been times, and this is where I'm so grateful for, for Sue balancing him out over the years. We should be like, Jason, Jason, in, like, enough. Okay? Number seven, use I statements. If you've ever read anything about communication or conflict or you've done a counseling course, you'll, you'll come across this idea of an I statement where, where you, the content of your, your sentence is, I feel like this you know, when you do that. I feel embarrassed when you take cheap, sh- what I feel are cheap shots in, in front of our friends. Or, or, or I feel... I feel nervous or insecure or, or like you don't care if, if you're coming home you know, seven hours later and you don't send a text. Um, not, you're careless, you don't care, you just want a divorce? No, okay, like, 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 no, no. I feel like or I think. So own and explain your thoughts, your feelings, your values, your hopes. Guys, use I messages. Again, I'm just telling you that the moment you go in with you, Guys, who doesn't want to get defensive when they're attacked? Like, that's human nature. So let's, let's let, again, remember the goal is to fight for we, not to, not to be the stronger, the stronger opponent. I don't know that I would agree with this 100%, but it has certainly stuck with me where Francis Chan commented in his book on marriage that normally the person who wins is the least godly. I'll just let that sit with you for a little bit. All right, number eight, be objective and specific. Be objective and specific. Don't exaggerate. Sue and I will often catch each other if we, if we even go near words or terms like you always and you never and every time. Like really? Always? So I've never ever not done? Okay, so, so, so come on, let's be specific. Let's not exaggerate. Don't get historical, okay? That's not fair, guys. That's, again, that's a cheap shot. 1 Corinthians 13 I think it's verse four says that love does not keep a record of wrongs. I don't like, like, like drop this thing, you know, because there was like one, which is why I'm also saying, guys, like reject false peace. You see, when you, when you keep ignoring issues, but then, you, but then when that final like tipping point hits, that, that straw that breaks a camel's back and, and they were like two, they kept you waiting for two minutes and all of a sudden it was like, like vomit. They're like, I, I'm, I'm really sorry that I kept you waiting for two minutes. But actually, there's like all this history. And then you're attacking with, with all this venom about, again, you're not thinking like this, but it's about your feelings about everything that's been done up until now. So be objective, be specific. Number nine, ask for feedback. You think that'll help? Let's be honest. We don't want to ask for feedback when it's just to fight and when it's just to win. We're like... Like, 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 I've done my bit, I'm out of here. No, no. If we're trying to actually resolve something, then, okay, what do you understand from what I've tried to explain? Is there anything that doesn't make sense? Where do you agree? Where do you disagree? Do you need time to process? It took me a long time to realize that Sue and I address issues completely differently. And I used to always think of that scripture, don't let the sun go down, you know, on your anger. I think there's perspective and context. I do think you need to calm yourself down. But sometimes 
I needed, I needed to give Sue time to actually think and process, because she processes differently to me. So if I'm just gonna keep going at her, it just becomes overwhelming. And if, and if I actually want to know what she's thinking and what she cares about, then I'm gonna respect her and actually give her time. Ask for feedback. Number 10, listen patiently and sincerely. Don't fake it. We all know when we're faking it. Generally, there's a device involved. Uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, okay, no, no. Like, let's listen carefully and patiently. Let's not listen with, with the retort building up in our minds. No, no, just listen to listen and to understand. Apparently, the human mind is capable of thinking four times faster than a person is able to talk. So that's why you're already thinking about all your comebacks and, and all your defenses and, and how you're gonna, no, no, guys, guys. Remember, we wanna, we wanna win with the relationship. So, so let's listen. Maintain eye contact. Like, don't be freaky about it. <laughs> but, but like, guys, pay, pay attention. Number 11, summarize your understanding. Explain what you perceive, you know, uh, the person to be saying to you or responding to you. Again, don't have time to unpack that too much. Number 12, find common ground to agree on. Like, you don't have to agree on everything, but is there anything that you agree on? Anything that you can build on, anything that you can move forward with. 13, call in reinforcements when necessary. Okay, there are times where, where you both are trying and for whatever reason, you're just not making progress. Get, a, get an objective third party involved, whether it's a friend, whether it's a, a leader, whether it's a professional. And, and in case you're thinking, well, like we can't afford to pay that kind of money per hour, that, that may very well be true, but I'm just saying that fighting for that relationship may be worth more than your car or your house or your furniture. Call in reinforcements when necessary. Number 14, keep going to God. He gives grace to the humble. Keep going to God. Keep going to God. Keep praying. Keep reflecting. Keep listening for God's whispers. And number 15, recognize your limits. If you've prayerfully prepared, if you've tried to engage, if you've, if you've you know, tried to, to hear and understand and be open and, and there's just nothing more you can do, Romans 12, 18, if it's possible as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Leave the results to God. Start with me, fight for we, and I just wanna wrap up. Jermaine, you can come and encourage them with the fact that we are circling the runway and coming into land. <laughs> I do wanna remind you that forgiveness is free. It's impossible to deal with conflict and not require some level of forgiveness. I do wanna encourage you that there's a difference between forgiveness, reconciliation, and trust. Some of you have been hurt, like legitimately hurt. Some of us, a few of us uh, were together last night having dinner and, and just talking about how, in some cases, that person has never ever heard their parents say the words, I love you. Like there's been dysfunction and like just ugly stuff. I'm saying that forgiveness doesn't mean that you trust that person again. Forgiveness means I'm giving up the grudge. I'm giving up the need for revenge. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna try and make you pay for it. I'm not gonna take cheap shots. I'm gonna absorb that cost. Forgiveness is a one-player game. Christians should be the most forgiving people on the planet because forgiven people 
forgive. We didn't make right with God before we forgave us. We, d- we didn't pay it off. We didn't, guys, forgiveness is free. And, I, and I'm talking about, about the most extreme, I can tell you stories that'll make your hair stand on end. But when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free only to discover that the prisoner set free is me. That person may not care, they may not apologize, they may not do anything to reconcile. Forgiveness is a one-player game. If you are going through life with unforgiveness, I'm telling you that it's like a cancer, and in some cases, I am convinced that some people will literally shave years off of their lives. I, I am convinced that some people will literally die younger. Some research has even gone into the physiology of, of the stress attached to forgiveness and how that can lead to cancer and lead to death. Guys, it will kill you. It will definitely kill and harm relationships. Forgiveness is free. That person doesn't have to deserve it. In fact, they won't deserve it. Forgiveness is a one-player game. Reconciliation is a two-player game. To actually reconcile, to get back into that relationship, to, to like, dare to tip your toe back into the water, that takes both people. That person should show some evidence that they are willing to actually change, that they're willing to do their part as you're willing to do your part. And then third, trust. That's a whole other ballgame. Trust, in some cases, will take years or it may never come again. Maybe that person has, has hurt you again and again and again, and, and, and it may just take years if there's even the slightest chance that they're going to earn that trust. But I do want to remind you that forgiveness, forgiveness is free. Come on, can I get you to stand with me? <clears throat> you've been around for a while, you know the drill. I'd love for you to get into a posture of humility and openness just for a few moments. So if you're comfortable, even if you're not, but you're willing to do this, close your eyes, open your hands. And just for a few moments, would you say, God, what is one thing in particular that that you're wanting me to respond to in this message? I think for some people, it's actually receiving God's forgiveness. Where you feel like you've been the one that's done a lot of damage. And I want to remind you that God is the most gracious, kind, compassionate person that you will ever meet. He's willing to wash you clean, to remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. Not just when you become a Christian, but as you continue to live in a relationship with Him. So if you're, if you're sitting here today or standing here today and you're feeling like, like all your mistakes are just flashing up in front of you, there's only one part of the stadium that's, that's, that's cheering for them. It's not God's side. Or maybe you're standing here and, you, and, and, and it's visceral. You can actually feel the anger, the hurt, the st- just welling up. And, and again, objectively, you may be 100% justified. And I can't promise you that God is gonna remove that all at once or once and for all. It may be a process, it may be a journey, but I wanna encourage you to ask God to help you to forgive. God, help me to forgive. Because without that, chances are you're gonna hurt others because hurt people hurt people. God, help me to forgive. Or maybe you've just been allowing God to remind you to take responsibility, not to be a victim, but to actually start with yourself. Not to own everything, not to own stuff you shouldn't own, but God, help me to take responsibility 
for those things that I am responsible for. Or maybe you need to go back to a relationship that you've been, that you do actually want to fight for, where you want to fight for we, and maybe you just need to apologize and say, I can't take, like I'm not going to change my mind on some of the stuff that I'm trying to get across, but I'm apologizing for the way I've tried to get it across. I'm sorry for the way I've addressed you, for the way I've attacked you. I'm sorry that I've become generalized and, and that I've gone historical and that I've gone ballistic and that I've made personal trips. I'm sorry. Guys, come on, man, please, 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 for the love of everything holy, let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. If you want your life to change, then change your life. Be willing to change your life. Be willing to respond to God's prompts. Lord, thank you that you are able to do something unique in every single heart. All those of us present, those of us watching online. God, help us to recognize that prompt, to recognize that invitation. Help us to say yes. And when we fail, help us to get back up again. Help us to try again. Help us to receive your grace again. But God, those closest to us are worth fighting for. Our families are worth fighting for. We don't have to repeat some of the, some of the generational junk that's been passed on from one generation to another. God, help us to recognize your values for our families and help us to fight for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday, everybody. I'm hoping that many of you are Sabbathing today, that you're gonna go rest, delight, enjoy your day and enjoy those closest to you. Don't miss out on part three next Sunday. Have a great week, everybody.